Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, the Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, October 16th, 2015, and we are reading from the Big Book. And we are on page XVIII, the second full paragraph, which begins Frothy Emotional Appeal. Today's readers are Lisa H. on the 12 Steps, Barbara K. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Deb W., Larry K., and Iris G. The reference number for yesterday, Thursday, October 15th, is 8121. OA Preamble. Over Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Add a vision for you, big book study. Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lisa H. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. Uh, This is Lisa H., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Memphis, Tennessee. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters 
and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Lisa H. And Barbara Kay, would you read the 12 traditions, please? Good morning, everyone. This is Barbara Kay, grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater in Georgia. 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but <clears throat> excuse me, one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry the message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such would never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name would never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our OA relations... Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for letting me do service. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. And I realize I didn't thank you, Barbara Kay. I am sorry. Thank you for your service. Our abstinence requirements for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page XXVIII. The paragraph, the second full paragraph, beginning frothy emotional appeal. I will ask um, Deb W. to begin our reading. Good morning. Uh, this is Deb W., recovered compulsive eater in Tulsa, Oklahoma. <coughs> Excuse me. Frothy emotional appeal 
seldom suffices. The message which can interest and hold these alcoholic people must have depth and weight. In nearly all cases, their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to recreate their lives. And I just wanted to kind of break down uh, the words that meant a lot to me in this paragraph that I really could identify with. And so I uh, looked up definitions. And so frothy is a lightweight with no substance. It's light in content. The emotional uh, appeal is appealing or arousing an emotion rather than a reason. Like, you know, you know, you 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 have a pretty face. You if you lost some weight, you know, that you you would really look great. Uh, um emotion is trying to get uh, a reaction through appealing my through my emotions and that's just an example that I said that never did work when people used it on me. The other uh words that depth and weight and you know the the message I needed to hear uh depth meaning something of wisdom, understanding or intellect, something that penetrates an insight that you know that I get can get. And the weight part is to have an important or significant to bias or slant toward a particular goal or direction to manipulate. And and for me these these listening <clears throat> to these meetings and studying these this big book <clears throat> is what manipulates it it's what you know, uh, gives me a goal. It, it's what uh, affects me. It appeals to me. Um, it hits the part inside of me that makes sense. That makes it open, opens my world and my thoughts to something other than the way I lived, the way I thought before uh, this recovery, before considering getting out of the food and changing you know, the way that I uh, was living my life. Um, and, and and when it says it didn't work, <clears throat> when I think about what wasn't working before, when I think about what had to be grounded, uh, uh, when I would go and we read the stories in the big book, uh, I mean, I got recovered first go around on the stories because I really didn't read that much about one six, the first 164 pages. However, did it last? Um, my disease continues to grow. And when I was came out of relapse, I realized how hard, how bad it was, how in-depth, how desperate I was because I wasn't able to go into the rooms uh, and, and share about what went on with me this week or share about, you know, uh, the sadness or support supporting with love uh, each other, I had a disease that was kicking my butt. And it wasn't until I dug into this big book, into the message, and had the inspiration, that the spiritual inspiration that this book gives that connects to my spirit and gives me a healing and a process through the steps uh, of how to get out of this disease. This is about the disease. I mean, it's nice. All the other conversations are great, but I really felt the, the thrux of this disease. I, I felt the deep <laughs> hopelessness. I, I, was, I was powered by something other than my own power, my own abilities. 
And so I had to have a, a message. I had to have a power, a direction to this power to get a healing. And so with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Deb W. <clears throat> Who would like to share on this paragraph? Rick K. Rick K. Was that you, Sarah? Sarah Reva okay. P. Reva P. Janice P. Nessa R. Okay, I heard Nessa R, and I heard someone before Nessa. Who was that? Janice. Janice P. Okay, great. Vasa O. And Vasa O, and we'll stop there. So I have Rick K., Sarah W., Reva P., Janice P., Nessa R., and Vasa O. Please go ahead, Rick. Thank you very much. This is Rick Kay, a compulsive overeater calling in from Miami, Florida, and really pleased and happy to be here today. And and it happens that I love this paragraph as much as I love anything in this big book. And what I really want to concentrate in on is the concept of the ability to have recreation in my life, in my in my life, and in, in, in our lives. Um, so step two has a spiritual principle of hope. And when I look at it, and by the way, if it's, if it's in the big book, I believe it. It's never lied to me. That's something that I always say. Um, and, and this to me as a starting point is, uh, is a place where I can have hope. It's a, a place where I'm given a promise that I can recreate my life. And obviously, I wasn't on the uh, cover of Time Magazine for Men of the Year when I first came to this program. Um, and I'm advised that I have an ability to recreate my life, to start it over. You know, I even think about the 11-step prayer uh, when I think about this. And then the last line that says, uh, it is in dying that we awaken to the eternal life. And I kind of feel like I had a life before I came to the program which resulted in, in a, certainly in a spiritual death and which was resulting in, in a certain physical death if I had stayed the course that I was going. Um, and I was able to have a new awakening, a, a, a rebirth, a recreation, if you will. And, and I just think this is great. And I have another friend who talks about do-gooders, people who come into the program uh, and, and, you know, they just want to, talk good stuff, and, and uh, but yet there's no depth, there's no way to their message. So the, the message that we're, that we're talking about for me is a spiritual message, and it's, and it's a message that one compulsive overeater can carry to another compulsive overeater that has depth and weight, uh, and, and that depth and weight is increased based on the fact that we're similarly situated and that we relate to each other in a way that people who don't have the, the uh, understanding that we have uh, can. So uh, it's just a great morning to be here, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rick Kay. Sarah W., please go ahead. Thanks so much for your service today, Kathy Kay. It's good to be on the line. Sarah W., a great, uh, grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. Um, what I what I feel out of the paragraph is that I have limitations and I have to get to that place where I realize that and instead of beating myself up and saying I'm a bad person because of those limitations, 
you know, the thought that comes into my mind is it's weakness, not strength, that binds us to each other. And the idea that, you know, I can't get so spiritually or heavenly good that I can't be, you know, of this earth and try to be there for other people, you know, that we're all uh, limited, no matter how recovered we get. And um, for myself, I have to say that, you know, it is weakness, not strength, that binds us to each other. And um, the thought that comes into my my heart uh, after hearing the previous two shares, which I really got a lot out of, uh, is that there are worse things than death. <laughs> I, I really feel that, that, you know, being a walking zombie and being... Uh, you know, so afraid to face life, afraid to, you know, at that jumping off place, you know, afraid to live and afraid to die, afraid to eat and afraid not to eat, you know, just really not feeling like we're a member any longer of the human race. And and that brings us to that, you know, almost like you're at the cliff, the precipice where you can finally say, you know, I am powerless. I, I have no other answers. You know, food was my answer, but food doesn't work anymore. And, and, you know, the, the the other thing is that food is but a symptom. You know, my problems are much greater than that. And I had to get to a place where, you know, the destructiveness not only of my own soul and my own self, but of other people around me had to become so great that I had to really take a good look without beating myself up with a baseball bat and just saying, you know, what can I do to make it right? Because otherwise I was going to take my own life. Uh, and in a way I was, it was a slow death as it was. So, you know, I had to have the open-mindedness and the humility to say, I can't do this anymore. And I do believe that a power greater than myself can help me with this. And that, that's what I believe today God would want for me. That God doesn't want me to have misery and pain. Although there is pain in life that it's not it's not self-imposed and that's what the compulsive overeating creates for me is self-imposed pain and thank you so much for letting me pat letting me share and with that I pass thank you thank you Sarah W Reva P please go ahead Lois M <clears throat> Lois I'll get you after Vasa okay thank you okay Reva P go ahead please Good morning, Kathy. This is Reva P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Um, This paragraph um, speaks to me because I have come to understand that I am a hardcore, real compulsive overeater, and left to my own willfulness, I will self-destruct physically, emotionally, and definitely spiritually, And um, the concepts that I wanted to share about are, first of all, the message, which to me means the 12 steps, and which can interest and hold me, and hold me, um, must have depth and weight. And I've heard those words, depth and weight, referred to so many times on the meetings on this line. And uh, thinking about it this morning, for me, depth means limitless growth, Um, You know, I was really great at the concept of quick fix. You know, I want to do this program, I'll do it in six months, I'll fix myself, and then I'll get out there and continue on with my life. Thank you very much. And um, I am amazed uh, 
um, that I can go deeper and deeper through the same 12 steps um, and that there is no limit to the growth that happens. Um, and for that, I'm so grateful and grateful to the people on Vision for You who have, have revived the whole book for me. And then wait for me means like grounding, like it says in the next sentence. You know, when I was in my disease, I was like all over the place. I was the tornado. Um, and I still have that tendency without the grounding in this uh, program. Um, so weight means it's solid. It's solid. I need something to hang on to. I need something greater and bigger than myself because really I will just fly away with everything and make things seem way more um, tragic than they really are. And then this concept of recreate, you know, with a grounding and a power greater than myself, um, I see it in myself slowly and I definitely see it in other people. Like these are not the same people physically, emotionally, spiritually. Like, like I look around the rooms and I listen to the lines like people have totally transformed, um, and it's all due to this power greater than ourselves. So what I thought was the worst thing in the world, which would, would have been to stay in this program for the rest of my life, I actually felt sorry for people who were here so long. I thought they were learning disabled and couldn't get it quick enough. Um, I am so grateful for a program that has depth and weight, and I get to recreate my life. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P., and Janice P., please go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice P. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Well, this is a doctor's opinion. You know, this is a doctor's opinion. And in and of itself, the doctor's opinion had this message that carried depth and weight. You know, I don't know about you. But I had plenty of emotional, emotional, frothy emotional places where I said, this is it. I can't do this anymore. This is it. I'm going to stop. I, this isn't going to happen again. I've learned my lesson. I know I have to stop. But I couldn't. And, I, and it got to the point where I couldn't trust myself anymore. I would say these things, meaning them with every fiber of my being, but I couldn't stop. So here in the doctor's opinion, you know, Dr. Silkworth had seen these alcoholics. He had seen these alcoholics year after year after year destroy themselves. And although he tried to help with whatever he could, he couldn't. He couldn't save them. So what I needed, I needed that message that carried depth and weight. And it came from those in whom the problem had been solved because they had this message to carry. And they showed me here in the big book, the doctor's opinion, and I was able to learn something I didn't know, which was that I had an allergy of the body. And it was coupled with an obsession in my mind so strong that I couldn't break it, that I couldn't break it. And let me tell you, that message carried depth and weight. That message carried uh, um, uh, information and education that I, up until then I didn't have, and it made sense of things that I couldn't make sense of. So, you know, thank God for Dr. Silkworth and his willingness 
after he saw these men who were recovered, people that he thought had no hope and no chance, they were recovering. Somehow they were staying sober, and they were recreating their lives and sharing with other people in a way that he found pretty profound. So I am very grateful today that we continue to have this literature, that we continue to have the doctor's opinion, and that we continue to have this message of depth and weight to carry. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice P. And uh, Nessa R., please go ahead. Hi. Good morning, friends. I'm so grateful to be um, on the line this morning. Um, the message that can interest all these alcoholic people, um, well, I tell you uh, the messages that didn't hold or interest this alcoholic person, this compulsive overeater, you know, messages like, you know, you should stop eating so much. You have so much to live for. You have to be careful. You could develop diabetes or heart disease, you know, uh, push away from the table, eat less, exercise more. You can have everything in moderation. Those messages did not interest me and let alone hold me because they didn't work. I tried them. I tried all those things, and nothing, nothing, nothing worked. What did work, what really interested me and held me was stuff that I had never, ever, ever heard before in the decades that I've been um, in active addiction and trying to control the food, trying to keep it down, trying to uh, lose the weight and keep the weight loss. And it's the fact that I have an allergy of the body which prevents me from stopping once I start eating until I run out of food or pass out. Um, and that I have an obsession of the mind that drives me to restart eating no matter how badly I felt, how much remorse I had after the previous, after the previous episode. You know, that, that had this and weight for me. Um, what else um, interests me and held me was that, you know, there was a method that worked, which means um, put down the food and work the steps and then don't stop working the steps once you are where you want to be. You know, keep doing what works. If it works, keep at it. Don't abandon it. That, that, was, that was a message that, that um, interested me and held me because it worked. Uh, it worked for me. It worked for countless others. And it can work for anybody on the line if um, you do it diligently, honestly, and earnestly. Um, with that, I pass. Have a good weekend. Thank you, Nessa R. And um, Vasa O, you're next. Yes. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Kathy Kay, for the service. And I am Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, calling from um, Massachusetts. And uh, I'm just so grateful that, you know, the person that 12-stepped me, gave me the message, brought me to the big book, and uh, the doctor's opinion, I was very interested to hear the message and the solution. I found, I found hope when I came here where I had lost hope, you know. I, by the time I, you know, again, by the time I found the program, I had given into the food addiction because there was nothing more that worked for me that I tried. And uh, I remember 
feeling, you know, like God will do for me what I couldn't do for myself. I was really puzzled. I was very skeptical, you know, when I heard that. But um, I had nothing more left in my in my my power to do, and that was the solution for me. Just here, nearly all cases, their ideas must be grounded in a power greater than themselves. If they are to be recreate recreate their lives, I really didn't think there was anything wrong with my life. I just thought that, you know. You know, if I could only put the food down, then, you know, my life is just going to be perfect, you know. And, um, you know, and that's all I thought I needed to do. And, I, you know, yes, God gave, you know, one of the promises was that I did get abstinent right from the beginning because I was really terrified. I didn't want to die, you know, uh, with the food addiction. And um, And then after that, you know, uh, I thank God that I listened, you know, didn't say, well, oh, and now I'm thin, I can leave. And that's what I thought, you know, the day I came. I'm going to leave the weight and I'm going to leave. Thank God that I stuck with it and worked the 12 steps the way they laid out. And, uh, you know, I didn't understand the, the freedom from anger, resentment, jealousy, envy, self-centeredness. You know, I didn't know, I didn't understand my character traits. But as the food was down, God gave me the help, and the people in the program gave me the support just to keep going, not to give up. And I threw, I just threw myself into the program. I took an action, you know, and I'm so grateful I did. Thank you, and I pass. We lost you, Vasa. Press star one to unmute. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know. When did you lose me? She didn't hear you say pass. I heard you. Oh, you oh. said pass? Okay, I'm sorry. Thank you. Um, Lois M. Uh, hi, good morning, Kathy. Uh, good morning, everyone. This is uh, Lois M. in Massachusetts. And... Um, it, it's such a privilege to uh, to be here this morning with, with listening and sharing, with hearing the wonderful shares. And for me, um, I was I was living a life of isolation and desperation, kind of like the man in the barn. You know, I recognize I related to that man. And um, this disease had you know brought me to my knees. Like I said, I was in isolation, almost almost literally, and 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 fear and desperation. And then I met an Ebby of mine, and um, and she was a person who, like me, had been struggling for years and was was unable to hear and was unable to believe and hope. And then I met her, and she told me about the big book that she, I had never, you know, I had searched everywhere and read many, many things, you know, and um, I had never really read the big book, which is uncanny, but... So she told me about the big, this big book step study that she was going to in, in our area. And, uh, and she said, and, you know, and it's given me some hope, so maybe it will for you. And to me, you know, that's a perfect example. She was my Ebby. And, and so I was able to do that, you know, when, when it came from her because I knew that she was just like me. And um, she just wasn't, you know, talking to me in frothy emotional ways which, you know, people had. So it was, it was through this, this um, compulsive overeater, uh, 
reaching out to another compulsive eater that was the beginning of my my being being able to just to hear you know and so i did you know begin to hear the big book being explained the doctor's opinion and and the honesty of the people who were sharing who i heard were just like me and and so that was the beginning of my be- trying again you know to to hope to begin to hope and to reach out and it was it took me still a lot quite a long time to be able to um surrender i was very full of self-will and isolation as well and also with my disease was i had a, i had a um my my disease was a disease of distortion so you know my 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 desire to eat compulsively distorted everything i heard and um and i was unable to grasp this for quite a long time again but i i had hope my hope was begin began to be alive again and it was that and that's why i'm so glad that the book asked us you know in order for us to keep our recovery and to keep our sobriety you know we must pass it on to others because it's when you know one alcoholic reaches out to another alcoholic that the magic began for me and um i'm hoping that 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 will begin for you again also today if you're listening and if you know and with that i'll pass thank you thank you katie thank you Lois. um uh before we move on to the next paragraph is there anyone else who would like to share on this one this is bella clemente
that I am human. I am not perfect. And nobody is perfect. So I don't have to be anymore the people pleaser. I don't have anymore to to compare myself to others and to blame and judge. Thank you, God, that today my belief is that, yes, that I am not perfect, and therefore there is a greater power than myself. And a greater power than myself, it's not a human power. It's a greater power than a human power. And yes, I am not perfect, I don't know everything, and I am limited. And this is my power today, to accept that there is a greater power than myself. Thank you for letting me share my pace. Thank you, Bella G. And Alice M., please go ahead. Hi, thank you. This is Alice M., popular uh, eater and bulimic from Florida. And uh, uh, this uh, first sentence, profit emotional appeal seldom suffices. It, um, you know, it is a, I have an example of this that just is gut-wrenching for me to show that, you know, it just, it just didn't work. And um, I was in treatment for four years ago for the first time in my 12-year marriage at that time. And I was in bad shape. I was in bad shape, and I had a um, 12-year-old daughter at that time also. And uh, my husband came to visit me with my daughter, and um, and he he looked at me and said, "Have you surrendered? Have you surrendered?" And I just kind of had this sheepish look on my face, I guess, and 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 I said, oh, "I'm getting there," and. You know, his his eyes welled up with tears, and I remember he said something like, "Aren't we important enough for you? You know, don't you care about us? How and and, and how am I going to raise Lauren alone?" He just he really I was dying, you know, and 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 he was crying, and that appeal of his was genuine and powerful, but it wasn't going to make me surrender, you know. I wanted that appeal to make me surrender. I really wanted that to work, but it was just not getting through. And, you know, I, you know, where it says that the message, you know, has to hold weight and depth. And for me, that message finally came while I was in that treatment center feeling desperate enough and someone in there, um, had lived the life I lived. I I needed to hear a message of recovery and hope from someone who was a gutter-level food addict like me, who had done the disgusting, vile, animal-like things like me, who and and was not doing that anymore, and had peace in their life, and was living in principles, and had a life, and was just, you know, I, I finally and I, and I think that message was out there a lot for me. I think. I was, that message was all around me, even before treatment, but I just couldn't hear it. I was in my bulimic fog. I wasn't ready to hear it. Um, and, and I tell you what, all, not only did emotional frothy appeal for my husband not suffice, not work, but ultimatums and threats of severe consequences didn't either. You know, he threatened, he, he said, I'm not going to go through this again. You know, I'm taking Lauren and we're leaving. And, and I knew that he could do that. I knew there was no court of law that would give me custody of her based on my history around all my treatments and abuse. And, and that didn't work either. That didn't work. Um, 
So I'm just really grateful that that people came to me and shared their story in an honest way, laid it out, shared their experience, what it was like, what they were doing, and what and the the hope and um, you know the solution they had found and that it could work, that it did work. That had weight and depth for me. And had those people not shared honestly, um, vividly, I don't know if. I would have even heard that message. So I'm just really grateful that um, that I got it. I pass. Thank you, Allison. And Leah M., please go ahead. Thank you very much, Kathy. I, too, wanted to speak on uh, frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. You know, there's not a single consequence uh, that a real compulsive overeater uh, experiences that's significant enough, significant enough to change their behavior. At least that was true for me. Um, You know, I'm a real compulsive overeater, and you couldn't give me a consequence at that time that was significant enough to change my behavior. Um, It's not that I didn't care about my husband. It's not that I didn't care that there were conversations about divorce and that his, his parents were recommending that at that time. It's not that I didn't care about my very worried, concerned, loving parents. It's not that I didn't care about the concern of my close friends who was watching their friend, me, uh, deteriorate on, on many, many levels. It's not that I didn't care about succeeding in my education, in school, and achieving, and reaching those goals I had always dreamed about. It's not that I didn't care about my work and being responsible to my boss and my colleagues and people uh, who I helped in that profession. It's not that I didn't care. It's not that I did not care. It's that I had no power. I had no power of choice. The disease of compulsive overeating was making the choices and the decisions for me. And it wasn't until I was beaten to a bloody pulp and sat across from someone in whom the problem had been solved. And he was very different from me in many, many ways. You know, he was about twice my age. Uh, he was an ex-Marine. He, you know, honestly was a recovered alcoholic. But he had been in the quicksand And he conveyed to me a message and brought to life this text in such a way that he made it clear that if I was in the quicksand as he had been, the only way to get out of it is to be rescued from it. And that was a message of depth and weight. I knew as a compulsive overeater, I didn't understand the grave nature of my illness. He brought that to life. He was properly armed with facts about himself. He won the entire confidence of me. He had recovered and he had been given the power to help another person. And that's our power. And that was the power that Bill Wilson had when he showed up at Dr. Bob's door. And Dr. Bob was shaken like a leaf. And Bill Wilson said, it looks like you could use a drink. That's the talk of an alcoholic to another alcoholic. That's not a superior being. That's someone who was broken, who was carrying a message to another who was broken. And that's our power. We have recovered and have been given the power to help others. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Um, And Roseanne B., please go ahead. 
press star one to unmute Rosanne. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for being on the line, and thank you for your service. When I uh, read the line about frothy emotional appeals never suffice, I think about um, my in my disease, my inability to face reality, to be honest, and to take responsibility for behavior. <laughs> emotional appeals never suffice are the excuses and the lies and the justification and the victimization that I have related over the course of my life as an excuse for living in my disease. Um, it's only when uh, I am working this program that I can clearly see the level of dishonesty and denial that I have been in in the disease. And it's only through being surrounded by others from upper and hearing their stories that I can see mine um, in contrast to theirs. There is, um, there's no emotional excuse because this is not an emotional problem. This is a disease that has a physical manifestation and an obsession of the mind that is beyond anything I've ever experienced. And I know that it's a, a combination of hitting bottom and being willing and being surrounded by those whose stories can uplift and guide that is essential to getting recovered. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, SAMB. Is there anyone else who wants to share on this paragraph before we move on? Mary D. Mary D. And anyone else? Okay, Mary, go ahead, please. Thank you, Kathy. Great to hear you this morning, and uh, thanks to everyone sharing this morning. Great meeting. This is Mary B., uh, gratefully recovered compulsive eater in southwest Arizona. And uh, a lot has been said about the emotional um, appeal and uh, the feelings uh, involved in our disease. And I want to talk about um, another aspect of recreating my life. And that is that for me, my weight was a barrier. I felt it was a protective barrier between me and you. I was married to a uh, man who was abusive, and he didn't like it when I gained weight, and I used it to turn him off. Didn't work, but I tried. You know, I always felt that fat people were looked at as stupid, and not much was expected. Of, a, of an obese person. And so that was my way of hiding my excuse for not being a living, participating, active, um, responsible mother, wife, daughter, etc. It was a protective barrier. When I smoked, 
I held my cigarette in front of me and put up a smoke screen. I couldn't handle when I lost weight. I know there were many times when I lost weight and I became so frightened at the attention that I got that I put that weight back on just to protect myself. Today, in recovery, and I've been thin for quite a while, I still walk down the street feeling good. Uh, People look at me. I'm not different. Um, I don't have to make an excuse for the way I look. I always felt it was necessary to explain why I was fat. I'm just a woman. I'm 78. I'm proud of it. I'm in pretty damn good shape for, for my age. I'm so grateful that barriers down. I'm not afraid of people. Um, I'm just human. I'm just one of them. And thank God. Thank God I'm one of you because you have really saved my life. And I have had to recreate it from the outside in. I had to start with taking care of that barrier in order to get inside where my higher power resides. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Mary B. You know, I think, Laurie, I will ask you to read the next paragraph and give you the opportunity to share, and we'll we'll end after that. Thank you. All right, Kathy, absolutely. Um, Larry K., Recovered Compulsive Reader, thanks for your service. So <clears throat> if any feel that as psychiatrists directing a hospital for alcoholics, we appear somewhat sentimental, let them stand with us while on the firing line. See the tragedies, the despairing wives, the little children. Let the solving of these problems become a part of their daily work and even of their sleeping moments. And the most cynical will not wonder that we've accepted and encouraged this movement. We feel after many years' experience that we have found nothing which has contributed more to the rehabilitation of these men than the altruistic movement now growing up among them. You know, to be sentimental is, is uh, to be sort of nostalgic, you know, prompted by feelings of sadness, you know, perhaps a bit emotional. And so here was Dr. Silkworth, director of this, this rehab hospital in New York, trained in, you know, he went to medical school. He was trained in scientific methodology. You know, I can relate to that. And, and, and he's saying essentially to the medical community and to others, hey, I know this thing seems a bit outside of the scope of, of medical scientific scrutiny, but before you judge, you know, how about you stand with me for a while on the firing line, you know, see the despairing wives and the little children, you know, hang out with us for a while at Towns Hospital here in New York. I mean, we've, we've tried our best to treat these addicts on a daily basis, and quite frankly, we haven't been able to make much of an impact in terms of treatment. We've tried. And now all of a sudden, outside of the standard medical practice with all our sophisticated treatment protocols, we've seen this, this movement, this, this spiritual movement come onto the scene. And here's the thing. See, we see people getting better. In fact, I'm, I'm here to tell you, you know, nothing's contributed more to the rehabilitation of these people than this movement. And that was revolutionary. 
You know, if you can imagine, you know, that, that, you know, the cure for cancer, some cancer treatment place around the country that, you know, came outside the scope of traditional treatment methods, that it wasn't the, uh, you know, it wasn't the typical treatments that we go through and people are, 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 you know, they're, they're recovering. That would be revolutionary. That, that's what was happening in some respects with the situation. So, um, you know, it did save my life, and thank God that uh, he opened up and uh, was willing to allow Bill and others to, uh, to to move forward with this. Otherwise, uh, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be here. So, anyways, thank you for your service, Kathy. With that, I will pass. Thank you, Larry. We have time for one more share. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Hi, it's Naomi B. Is there still time? Yes, go ahead, Naomi. Oh, thank you, Kenny. Thank you, thank you for your service. My name is Naomi, um, and I am Naomi B. And I am a recovered, grateful, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, well, this okay. That we have found nothing which has contributed more to the rehabilitation of these <coughs> men, women, in my case, than the altruistic movement. Today is my 38th wedding anniversary. And I'm transformed, and I have been by God's grace for the last four years. What I put my family through the prior years, I can't retrieve. All I know is I've been transformed, and it's just a new world for me. And the altruistic movement, whenever I have an opportunity to share my story and to help another, I do because it was so freely given to me. And I, as as Leia so beautifully said, there was no consequences. There were things that didn't affect me. I had, I had my husband. I had my two small children. But the drive to eat was so much stronger, and I did. And it overrode everybody else. That's not the case today. I've been transformed. How can I serve? How can I help you? I'm not the same person. And it is because of this book, because of Dr. Silkworth, because of Bill Wilson. And thankfully, I came into OA not being in there for many years to hear some of their slogans. And I came in listening to Vision for You, which has definitely changed my life. And I am truly happy, joyous, and free. And I carry the message whenever I possibly can because of the gift that was so freely given to me. I have I have a calm in my brain, which I've never had before. Thank you so much for allowing me to share, and we're counting the days down. Thank you, and God bless. Have a great day. Thank you, Naomi B., and thank you to everyone who has shared today. Um, please join me. Join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by Serenity Prayer. And I'd like to ask Iris G. to read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggested only. Press star one, Iris. Iris, are you there? 
Can you hear me, Kathy? Now I can, yes. Okay, sorry. Uh, hi, this is Iris G. Recover Composer from New York. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, pass.